This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today is a special show in that I'm not really doing an interview. I am having on my good friend, Don Garrett, who is the community manager for the Your Morning Basket community. And as such, Dawn spends her time answering a lot of questions from homeschooling moms and encouraging them all about morning time. And so she's on here today with me and we're chatting about how to get your year off to a good start, how to get your morning time off to a good start in the new school year. And so we kind of give you what we think are some of our better tips and we talk about some of the places where you might get hung up in starting a new year and a new morning time. So sit back, enjoy the program. My friend Dawn Garrett is a mom of three who has been writing for over 15 years at her blog, Lady Desk. And she's also the author of the free ebook, I am, I can, I ought, I will. Charlotte Mason's motto explained for upper elementary students. Don is also the coordinator for the Your Morning Basket and Plan Your Year communities, where she provides customer care, encouragement, and helpful answers to any number of homeschooling questions. On her blog, Don shares book reviews, curriculum choices, morning time plans, and so much more. She joins us on the podcast today to discuss planning and preparing for a new year of morning time. Dawn, welcome to the show. Hi, Pam. So today we're kind of having like a conversation. So it's not so much that you're the expert and I'm interviewing you unless you want to be. No, no. I'm going to learn as much as everybody else today, I think. So we're just like conversing together and sharing ideas and helping everybody get their morning time off to a good start for the new year. I think that's a great idea. And you know what, even for those of us who use an alternative calendar schedule, I love back to school time because it like gives me another kick in the pants to get things going the right way, the right direction. So this is going to be a great topic today. Okay, so let's explain for everybody. You actually school with the calendar year. I forget this. And so you start in January and go through November and then you stop yes. and, and then start again in January. So this for you is honestly kind of like New Year's resolution time, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be a good comparison. But, you know, the back to school sales are now and everybody else is talking about all their new stuff and cleaning out their homeschool rooms. So I just did that because my kids were all at camp. And so, so yeah, I think you could call it like New Year's resolutions, but I really do. I love the August back to school time. It just really gives me another bolt of energy to finish the year strong. And then October turns into May for me. So it's good. Well, let's start talking a little bit about how people, what they might want to intentionally do to get the year off to a good start with their morning time. And so let's talk a little bit about planning for a morning time. So what are some things that you think are necessary for a good morning time plan? I think having some clear goals and vision of what you want your morning time to be. So really thinking about 
we're Christian homeschoolers. And so we definitely emphasize, you know, Bible and hymns and catechism and doing almost a worship time at the beginning of our homeschool day. So that's a key part of what I plan for in my homeschool for morning time. But if you have other things that you think are really important, if poetry is going to be the cornerstone of your morning time, figure out what those cornerstones are and then fill in the blanks. Oh, I love that. Okay, so I'm going to take that even back further and talk about the one thing. So like starting with one thing. Oh, um, yeah. So you've been doing morning time how many years now? Oh, five or six or since eight. I, I'm not really sure. We've always done something that was like morning time. When I had toddlers, we did calendar time even. So we've always done a little bit of something, even when I had small, small children, just to give us a little bit of structure to our day. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so we're kind of the same way. We're going on our fifth year now of doing morning time. And so, you know, I'm pulling my plan from last year, but I think what I want to really say to somebody who has stumbled on this idea, maybe at the in the middle of the school year last year or in the summer, this summer or something like that, that they really know that it's okay to start with just very simple, one think, thing even. I think in the Your Morning Basket group, I usually say something like start small, build slow, start with, yeah, one thing, 10 minutes at most, and then you can add to it. I was just reading Cindy Rollins's new book, and she talked about how hers started with just practicing their Awana verses. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, one thing, start small. And then as her kids got older and as they got more into the habit of over, of morning time, she said, oh, could I fit this idea in the morning time? And eventually she had things like grammar and Latin and, I, you know, all sorts of things built in. But she started very, very small. Yeah. So, but I think your vision idea, your idea for a vision of what, even if you're thinking into the future and you're sitting there with a five-year-old and a three-year-old or something like this, and you know you want to start morning time and you're thinking into the future of what you want it to be, use that vision to help you choose, okay, what is going to be most important to us as a family? And for your family, like for my family, it's the prayer, it's the hymn singing, it's the catechism that's so very important to get the day off to a good start. And so you say, okay, I've got these little kids or we're brand new to this. My kids are not sure about this whole idea. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But we're just going to start with one simple practice and begin there and then do it even, you know, for two weeks. And then you can start adding other things in. When my kids were very small, I decided that I wanted them to start learning hymns because then they could participate during worship. So we started off with the doxology and holy, 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 and hymns that were sung regularly in our congregation so that, or that were going to be seasonally appropriate. We were coming up on Palm Sunday, so we did all glory, lot of and honor, right? And so we did things that were almost immediately applicable to their lives that would build. And then today I was going through our hymn list and it's extensive. I mean, we have like 60 hymns that we've learned as a, as oh, a wow. family together. And, you know, that vision was, would never have started when I was starting out with the doxology and holy, holy, holy. But now it's such a blessing to see what all we have been able to do in even this short amount of time. So 
having, yes, having your vision is important. My vision was smaller than what it has become. My vision was, you know, learn hymns to sing in worship so they can participate in worship. And now it's become so much greater. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is something awesome to keep in mind. And 60 hymns. I am so impressed. You know, it, something else you said that I wanted to point out is people a lot of times will ask me what hymn, you know, like what hymn resource do you use or what hymns do you start with? And the ones that you sing in church, mm-hmm. those are it. And so for us, I've tried some other hymn resources in the past. And honestly, they're not the ones that we sing in church. And so it's been a matter of I did find some, you know, I had to go seeking outside of kind of the homeschool hymn resources and go to just like albums on Amazon and things like that. And I was able to find some, but I think it's important to start with the ones that they're going to hear and can participate in. Yeah, there's a great post on your blog by Jessica about doing hymn study in your home. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fantastic, that would be great to put in the show notes because it gets people really started with some excellent resources and ideas of how to incorporate them in the morning time. Yes, you are correct. But once again, those aren't the hymns that we sing. (laughs) No, they aren't the hymns that you sing. And I have a list of the hymns that we have learned on my blog. And Misty has a list of um, hymns that they've learned on Simply Convivial. And Ambleside Online schedules hymns that they think are valuable and important. And everybody has to choose the ones that work best in their situation. But there are resources out there that can help anyone who is seeking out the hymns that they would like to study in their morning time. But we're getting a little off track. Oh, yeah. Let's get back on track. Okay. So tell me about when do you plan for your morning time? And then I'll talk a little bit about when I plan. We do the six weeks on one week off schedule just about. And so our morning time is pretty set at this point. I just am plugging in the newest things. So a couple weeks before the end of the term that we're working on or during that off week, I go and I look at Ambleside Online to find the things that I need to plug into our morning time, the new Shakespeare, the new Plutarch, the new nature study focus, those things that just plug into the those slots in our morning time and put them in. But it's ours is pretty set in its, its structure. Okay. So... At this point, we don't change that part very much, just the just the components. Okay, so that's interesting. So you have a set form that you follow, and then you just, so you know what you're studying each term, but then you get down into the specifics, and you change that for the particular terms. Right. This week, we kind of are starting a new term. It's not exactly, but my kids were at camp last week, and they have swim lessons this week, so we're doing some lighter things. And I changed, we were reading... Psalm 119. And I decided that we were just going to read through the Psalms, a Psalm a day. So sometimes I might change midterm, but I didn't take out reading from the Psalms. I just substituted what I decided would work better for us for this time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Well, I sit down in the summer and so I have not done it yet for this year (laughs) and school starts August 1st. So I kind of need to get myself in gear. This is my focus over the next couple of weeks is to shore up my school plans. And we're recording this towards the middle of July. So I have a couple of weeks left. And a lot, I will base a lot of my plan on what we did last year, though I tell you, it's going to be more simple this year than it was last year. I kind of got 
pretty ambitious last year. I think, you know, I was kind of working on the book last summer and it all sounded so good. I wanted to do all the things. And I think I'm going to back off and simplify a little bit. So I will actually set up my entire plan for the rest of the school year in the summer. And I'll know what I'm doing from time to time. Okay. It'll be all planned out. I like the variety of being able to change it up, which is part of why I like the six weeks on and the one week off where I get to change things up. And I like the spontaneity of it. So like we finished memorizing, we were studying Romans 8. We memorized that pretty well. It still fits into our review time of our Bible passages. But until this morning, I hadn't even really decided what our new Bible passage was going to be. We decided on the Good Samaritan, that parable in Luke. But my kids helped me decide. But I like the spontaneity of deciding, okay, we did this for a while, and now we're going to do this passage because it's something that we've been thinking of, something that was recently preached, something that just builds encouragement. In this time of our life, of what's going on in our church and in our family and in our friendships, what do we need to focus on? And it gives me a little bit, I don't know, it gives, I still have the structure, but it gives me a little bit of a chance to be spontaneous, which I'm not particularly good at most of the time. So that helps to balance that for me. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I'm the person like if I don't, I feel like if I don't have it all planned out at the beginning of the year, then I'm going to reach a point where I don't have something to go in that slot and I'm not going to get it in there. And so that slot will just kind of get pushed aside and forgotten for the rest of the year. And it's good to know yourself and your style and what works best for your personality. And and it's wonderful that, you know, when you know those things, that morning time can be fit for any personality or any family structural type. Yeah, Um, It works well for us to pick up a Bible passage as we go, and it works well for you to know what those Bible passages are going to be ahead of time. Yeah, I think so. And now something I haven't done is I really haven't pulled my kids into the choosing. Now, they haven't asked, you know, and it, it hasn't ever been. We have never butted heads over it. It's never been an issue. And so maybe that's why they're just they're really kind of easygoing, quite honestly, sometimes too easygoing. <laughs> but so that's something I haven't done. And that's an interesting idea to let them take some ownership and maybe choose some of the things that we do. So I do kind of like that. I claim final say. So we batted around some ideas. Some people had suggested James because our associate pastor is preaching through the book of James. We were talking about, do we want to try a whole book? Because we've been doing some whole chapters, you know, so we'd talked about James or part of First John or something, another Psalm or Isaiah 53 or, and I was looking back at the attainments for a six, formidable attainments for a six-year-old from Charlotte Mason. And she suggested that six-year-olds knowing two parables well would be a good idea. And we'd never done any of the parables. So I thought that, you know, as all the ideas had been stewing around, that that was the one that was going to work for us for this time and place. So that's what we're going to do. Okay. I want to point out, as you're talking about the formidable attainments for a six-year-old list, that all of your kids are well over six years old. They are nine, 10, and 11. So yes. So um, I'm, I'm not pointing that out to say, oh, Dawn's a failure. She didn't get this done before they were six. I'm pointing it out to show how worthy it is to keep working on that list even past that age. It is a very worthy list. And there's a formidable attainments for, I think, a child of 10 also that we haven't 
really looked at very much. So yeah, it, it's it's a formidable list for me, and I'm 43. So right, I yeah, knowing several, I think it's two parables. Well, I think maybe it's time we started to look at some of those parables a little bit more closely. So that's why we chose that. Uh, we can link to that list in the show notes. I believe it's on the Ambleside site, right? It is. Yes. Okay. All right. So we've talked a little bit about planning in that Dawn kind of plans for each term. She has her structure set up, but she plugs in new things every term and she chooses as she goes along because she likes the spontaneity. Whereas Pam wants everything planned out at the beginning of the year. And so there aren't a lot of surprises, but there's variety. We move from one thing to the next. So how do you um, store your plans and stay organized? for getting started with your morning time? Well, we started when my kids were really young and we started with me doing everything out of a notebook, just me having a notebook with all of the things. So they would listen and repeat or, we'd, you know, I was the only one who had the words before me because they couldn't read. So they didn't really need them at that time. And I have made notebooks for them. And actually, I'm in the process of remaking notebooks for everybody like Misty does and explains it's Simply Convivial, but my kids never really use them. So we have notebooks and they are accessible and usable, but they got into the habit of doing it just from hearing what I was saying or just from call and repeat. And so they don't really look at those things very often, which I find kind of fascinating. But a notebook is definitely the best thing. When I first started, I tried the index cards in the box Do you know what happens to index cards in a box? They get spilled out all over the floor. And your organization is gone. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I keep a notebook. And oddly, my kids are like yours. I don't do notebooks for them. They do it all call and repeat or through playlists. We use a lot of playlists. And I have even been known to record things myself into a playlist so that the playlist can just guide me. That's a great idea. Yeah. And so it's just one of those like reduce the decision fatigue kind of thing. We just work our way down the playlist and it might be my voice that comes on and recites the poem or sings a little song or something like that. And then we do keep everything in a notebook. I keep everything in a notebook as well to help keep me organized. So how do you play your playlist? What, how does that work during your circle time or your morning time? I've always used iTunes on my computer and I've made my playlist in there and then put them onto my phone. And then I have a little wireless speaker Okay, that I use now this year. So we got, I, you know, me, I'm like a tech crazy. I'm a techie. Yes. And so I got one of the Amazon Alexas. Oh. Yeah. And so now I told my husband, he's the one who actually owns the Prime account where you can put all the music. And I told him, I said, if you start seeing over the next few weeks, these weird playlists pop up (laughs) on your Prime, it's because I'm loading them up. So my plan is to load up the Amazon, his Amazon Prime account with all of the playlists and everything. And then I should be able to just like push the little button. We got to tap too. push the little button and say, you know, play Alpha Year Week 3 playlist and it'll just play down the entire thing for me. Okay, I'm sorry. You got to tap? Oh, it's called a tap. It's an Amazon tap. So, okay, this is bad. My husband kept stealing the Alexa and taking it upstairs where he was painting. And so the tap went on sale for Prime Day for like half price. 
And so I bought the little portable tap too. So I'll be able to take that one to my Skull A group with me and play the playlist there as well. Oh, okay. So, Sounds yeah. really We're very snazzy. high tech with our morning time. I guess. Here. I have an old Samsung Galaxy MP3 player that has Bluetooth and I use the Bluetooth speakers as long mm. as they're charged Yeah, for hymns and sometimes for poems because we use... IEW's poetry, linguistic development through poetry memorization. I always struggle with that name. So sometimes I'll make the kids listen to Andrew Pudewa say the poem instead of me say it. Yeah, Bluetooth speaker, even with, you know, you said your Samsung Galaxy was older, even with an older device, you know, being able to have that little Bluetooth speaker and play, you can even take it in your car. Yeah. Yeah. And play, do kind of your morning time on the go. I've done that before. That's a really good idea. I've given the notebook to the oldest child and said, okay, you're in charge today while we're driving down the road. And yeah, that works too. Yeah. Okay. So what about if somebody just doesn't like to plan and they're less structured? Do you think they could have a successful start in morning time? I know that's not you or I really. So let's kind (laughs) of help this person come up with a few ideas. Well, I think if you, for someone like me, I would say gather everybody at a table or on the couch and read something from the Bible and pray and sing a hymn and be done with it and go on. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm thinking use the basket. So I'm thinking, you know, like Mm -hmm. grab your basket or your box or your carton or your laundry basket or whatever it is, (laughs) you know, but some kind, I really do feel like it's important to put everything together. And you can do it on a shelf. Yes. I just redid my homeschool room, I think I mentioned, and I built three bookshelves. And two of them are just for my school things. So the, my morning time, I have one for a shelf for morning time, and I have a shelf for our AO books. But I put my basket on the shelf, but I'm contemplating taking the basket out because it's tall as the shelf. So it's not as convenient as it used to be. But yes, having everything all in one place and you just pick it up and do the next thing. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So if you don't like to sit down and plan, if you don't like to make the little charts, I know Dawn and I both have charts and, you know, what you can do is just kind of like pick up your basket and walk around your schoolroom and pretend you're going on a picnic. You know, you're going to spread this feast of beautiful things in front of your children. And put all of those things in your little basket. And then every day, just like bring your basket out and pull something out of the basket. It doesn't even matter what. Or even what order. If you're one of those spontaneous people, you know that you would like to have these books, but you don't care what order you do them in. Sometimes it's fun to do. Sometimes my kids like to do morning time backwards. So we start with the Mm -hmm. end and finish with the Bible, you know, and it just changes it up. But if you don't care about the order... Toss the stuff in and grab it out randomly, do the thing, put it in a pile next to you, and then refill the basket for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Or refill the basket, you know, every, well, when you feel it's gotten stale and old, then, you know, by the time you've gone through a lot of it, you know, and throw in, you know, an art book, uh, one of the great Usborn artists or art books, throw Mm -hmm. in, or even just, you know, a big coffee table art book. And the night you could go to your library and do this, and then you'd only have it as long as what your library would allow you to have it. But then you would go back again and get a bunch of new things and bring those back. So I don't think that truth, goodness, and beauty has to be like ordered lockstep. You could just 
throw it all in there and pull it out and be spontaneous with it. That's yeah, absolutely. I agree. And throw in a puzzle every like every once in a while or I put in math dice, they're 20 sided die and we're mm-hmm. throwing we're throwing two dice and the kids have to tell me what their product is, but you could do it for, you know, sums or you could work on figuring out a way to do division with them, I suppose, but we're we're working on our multiplication tables still. So that's what we're doing. So it doesn't have to just be books either. Oh, yeah, that's a great point, which kind of segues us into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is a morning time with different ages. So I cannot tell you how many times I'll get emails from moms and they're like, oh, I'm so distraught. This morning time thing isn't working in my house. We're trying to do the Lord's Prayer and we're memorizing the Nicene Creed and we're singing all 12 verses of, uh, I don't know, does a mighty fortress have 12 verses? And, you know, and, and then I'm reading Shakespeare to them and on and on and on. And then we get to the end and we find out their oldest is only six. Yeah, it's so hard with your oldest. I did kind of the same thing, not to the same extent, but it's so hard with your oldest because so many of us are really academically minded and we see how smart these kids are and we say they can do this. And we're so academically minded. We're all excited about the, you know, we can do this. And we have so much slow down. Again, start small, build slow. And do things that are um, age appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So like nursery rhymes are just, uh, I know that um, Cindy Rollins is a big fan of nursery rhymes and you've gotten further in the book than I have. So does she give us some insight there about nursery rhymes and the importance of nursery rhymes? She does talk about it. She talked about, this is genius. I don't know how it, she talked about how her kids would act them out. So, you know, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick, Jack jump over the candlestick. She'd have them at, well, I'm not even sure she'd have them. They acted it out. How fun. Yeah. And that's perfect in a morning time with a five or a six-year-old. Yeah. I've got a big, thick book of nursery rhymes. There are so many nursery rhymes I'd never heard. And my mom taught kindergarten and first grade and did emphasize nursery rhymes and you know, I remember reading nursery rhymes when I was a kid. There are so many nursery rhymes. You could spend years just doing those. It, yeah, nursery rhymes are perfect. Is it Andrew Pudewa who talks about some, he was asking an Italian speaker what his favorite English poem was. And it was a nursery rhyme because they don't have them in their language. Oh. I love that story. I don't remember who, who it was, but it's a... I think it was Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Mm-hmm. That was their favorite nursery rhyme because they just don't have that in their culture to feed their children. Well, we have them. Let's feed our children with them. Yeah. Yeah. So nursery rhymes, age appropriate. And then and finger plays and and little songs, very much so. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a, you know, do your verse of a hymn that they are hearing regularly in church, Mm -hmm. but then also spend a little time on some of the little children's songs because those are almost a lost art too. So we sing collections are so good. Yes. You know, they have them for everything, but we had the We Sing Bible and, you know, my kids memorized the books of the Bible because We Sing Bible had it and they listened to it over and over again. Yeah. And the We Sing America, it has you know, the national and and all the fun 
songs, even like it doesn't have John Henry on it. I mean, so even like some of the legends of American history are on there and it has some quotes like uh, JFK's Ask Not What Your Country. My daughter's always reciting that. And I'm like, where'd you learn that? Oh, we sing America. Those are such a great resource for young children. I always recommend the We Sing. Yeah, we're, yeah, we've been big fans of those in the past too. And then the Maestro Classics CDs. I just interviewed Bonnie from Maestro Classics for the, a future episode of this podcast. And those are wonderful. I don't know if you're familiar, but they have like the tortoise and the hare and Casey at the bat and Juanita, the Spanish lobster and Peter and the wolf. And they're just wonderful ways to introduce kids to classical music through these kind of musical stories. And so those would be really appropriate for a younger kid morning time because it's classical music, but there's, you know, the stories are intertwined within the CDs. We never had used those. I think those started to come out as my kids were getting a little big for them. So I've seen them at convention, but we've never. Yeah, used they're those. wonderful. Um, Great. So let's talk a little bit. So age appropriateness and then the, of course, I cannot remember the number, but your morning basket podcast with Celeste Cruz. We that, have the whole one on the young kids. I wish that podcast, I had heard it when I had young kids. I might not have messed up so many things. <laughs> I love that episode. Celeste was, is just so wise about how, you know, she'd let kids go when they were done listening or sitting still when they couldn't sit still anymore. We stop. Right. right. Or, or that child stops and they know they can quietly get their Crocs on and go out back and play while I finish working with the older children. And that takes training and effort and you have to really work on those things. Yes. But what a blessing for them that she did work on those and it works so well for her. That is episode 15. Okay. I was just about, you looked it up too. I was just about to say that. (laughs) Episode 15. Okay. So let's talk a little bit at the other end of the spectrum. So, because another thing I, another question I get is what do I do with my older kids? So, and I want to talk about Having like kids who are, I want to talk about what to do with teenagers. And I do have a post on this called Morning Time with All Ages, where I do give some ideas about Mm -hmm. what to do when you have teenagers in your morning time. And I talk about things like doing logic with them and current events and like talking about like what happened in the presidential debates last night. Mm -hmm. Could you point out any fallacies? Doing things that are going to allow them to do some of that deeper questioning, apologetics. So Mm -hmm. instead of doing maybe Bible study, with an older kid, which you certainly can, but mm-hmm. that's a great time to start transitioning into apologetics because it's or, really get their thinking going. Or really good theology. Yeah. 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 But what do you do? So that's all. And we'll link to that post for you. I believe it's called Morning Time for All Ages, but we'll put it in the show notes. But let's talk about what do you do if you, the mom, are really excited about starting morning time this year with your kids? And, you know, maybe you got a six or a seven-year-old who uh, maybe a little girl who's going to go with, along with it just fine. But then you got, say, a nine or 10 or 11 year old boy and you're getting kind of the eye roll, the oh, mom. So how do you reach a child or children who, you know, they haven't been raised with this and so they're not on board with it and you're really excited, but you're kind of facing a little bit of opposition? Well, I don't think that you only face opposition when it's new. I still struggle some days with having opposition. 
mostly I just say, just sit down and let's do it. And the sooner we're done, we're done. (laughs) So I'm not really patient with that. We get, I get opposition and I'm like, we have to do it. I think in Cindy's book again, she said with narrations, if you always hold the line and say, we have to do it, it just becomes an expectation. And so they they have to do it. So I think the same thing can be said with morning time. You have to do it, just do it and get it done. But you can choose things that are particularly engaging for that older child. Like if you're doing poetry memorization, you could choose something like Charge of the Light Brigade, Mm -hmm. which, oh, that draws in the boys so quickly. And Henry the Fourth, you know, (laughs) Band of Brothers, we're going to do. Is that Henry the Fourth or Henry the Fifth? But you know what speech Um, I'm talking about? I do. I I only ever watch the one on YouTube because I don't know my Shakespeare very well. We are just delving into that now. So... But I think you're right. I think starting with some things, especially like starting. So one of the things we do almost at the beginning, we start with prayer, but almost at the beginning after the prayer is Mad Libs. Okay. And that's one of the things my kids just... They love, they think it's hilarious, they laugh over it, and they get reinforced again and again. I need a noun. No, that's not a noun. (laughs) A noun is a person, place, or thing, or I need an adjective. You know, it's a describing word. And so it has a use because you're learning the parts of speech, but it also has a use because it is something that is just vastly appealing to children and they like to do it. Yeah, we do Mad Libs. On, we do a grammar week, we do a loop, we do a grammar week and then a writing week. And we do Mad Libs at the end of the grammar week during morning time. So that's not an everyday thing at my house, but they do like it when we get there. Right, right. So, okay. So yeah. I think, you know, trying to find something that delights your reluctant child and putting that into the plan and using mm-hmm. that, that's one thing. And then I totally agree with what you said, that towing the line you know, sticking to your guns and any other bad, what's the word I'm looking for? Cliche, I can, I can say. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, do it. Just do it. <laughs> I think you told me that this spring. Just yeah, do it. Just Oh, I did because you were having a hard time. So let's talk about that. So we're starting the year off and maybe it's not going so well. Maybe even sometimes I want to put this out there. Moms have a hard time being the one oh. to get motivated to do morning time. Yes, it's it can when you slump, it gets hard to start back up. I think you get in the habit of, you know, oh, I'm sitting here on my couch reading my book. I've done my thing all morning. Just go do your math. We'll do morning time tomorrow. Mm. (laughs) I want to read my book. You go do your thing and I'll check it when you're done. And I was asking in the morning basket group and Pam comes in and says, Dawn, put on your boots. And put on your big girl panties and just do it. And Mm. once I just did it and got it back into the habit, then it becomes wonderful again. But sometimes you just need somebody to remind you that when you're slumping, the best thing to do is to just work at making that habit stick again. Yeah. And that's for yourself if you're slumping, but it's also for your kids. If they're Mm. resistant, the more consistent you are at doing it, and just doing it, the less resistance you're going to get from them. I mean, that's yes. with any kind of school. Well, and I think a lot of homeschool moms 
never want to ask dad for backup because they don't want dad to always have to be the bad guy. They don't always want him to have to be the, you know, the bully or the disciplinarian. I know I feel that way a lot. But when I tell my husband we're having a hard time with attitudes about this and he gets involved, attitudes shape up pretty quickly. And they realize that mom really, I mean, mom really does need to be listened to even when dad's not here and he's going to hear about it. And if I just do it, there won't be a fuss. Right. No. So sometimes it's okay to rely on dad to say, hey, this is important. You have to do it. Get over yourself and just be that second voice saying the same thing. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, too, that if you've started your homeschool day for years with, you know, let's say math (laughs) or whatever, (laughs) handwriting or whatever the case may be, and that is your child may not even particularly like to start that way, but it's a habit that's ingrained in them because they've done it for three or four years. It's going to take time to work through Mm -hmm. for them to come around because we're human. And so often we just say, oh, that's different. And the only reason I don't like it is because it's different. It's something I've never done before. And so sometimes that family dinner time conversation is, I have this new idea. I think it's going to really help our family to work together a little better, to spend this time studying some of the same things. It'll give us a common vocabulary, a common culture that start our day. These are the reasons why I want to do this morning basket thing. I want to try it out for this first six-week term. I need you to buy into it. A nine-year-old wants to, like, he wants to be in charge, that nine-year-old boy. He wants to be the authority figure. You get that buy-in from him, everybody else is going to fall in line, right? So sometimes that dinnertime conversation of these are the reasons why we're going to do this and not just Monday morning, okay, we're going to start with morning time now. Right. Um, Those things also help. Yeah. Getting their buy-in at another time, at a less charged time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And kind of talking through it and getting their buy-in. And then, of course, start with a song. Start with a song. Yeah, start with yeah. a song. So, and warning. I, Misty plays a song that's like mm-hmm. four minutes long. Four minute warning. Okay, you can stop doing your things now and come to the table. And some people do morning time not in the morning. They do it after lunchtime. So maybe they still get to do their copy work in math. You don't have to do this just in the morning. You could add it to the end of your day. Yeah. You could split up the middle of your day. Think about when if you're saying you've got established routines, where's the best place to fit it into your established routines to make it more palatable? Because you want it to be enjoyable and fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we're down to kind of the brass tacks here. Um, (laughs) I told you I was bringing in more cliches. Okay, so one tip, if you could only give people one tip for getting their morning time off to a good start in the new school year, whether they're brand new to it or they're coming back, what would you recommend? Set an alarm on your phone for 10 minutes before and for the time that's starting. So I have my phone, I have an alarm set for our morning time starts at nine. I have an alarm set for 8.50 and an alarm set for nine o'clock. And my kids hear the alarm. The phone is the authority in this case, not mommy. So the kids hear the phone. I say, we have 10 minutes till morning time. Finish up what you're doing. Or we have an open floor plan. They can all hear me and I don't have to really yell too badly. And then they hear the phone again 
when they're all at the table at nine. Again, the phone is the one who sets the day, not me. And that works for, we need to go inside in 10 minutes. You can ride bikes for 10 more minutes. I set the timer on the phone because I don't know about you, but I have a terrible sense of how long 10 minutes is. So, so setting your timers, that's my best trick for getting it going consistently every day. Okay. I know I have 10 minutes to finish, you know, this page in my book. I have those things. Right. Or in my case, I have 10 minutes to go finish my shower and get my (laughs) breakfast and get to the table because I've done something else. Well, I'm going to go back to, so I'm going to, so for my one tip, if I can only give one, I'm going back to starting small and starting small for people who are brand new to this, you know, starting with one thing and slowly and gradually building on, because I think that that is the number one key to being successful with this. But then also for people like myself or like you, and you're obviously not starting your school year now, you would be doing that in January. But when you're starting off a brand new year, coming off an extended break, and for us, we haven't schooled since like the third week of May, then even easing back into it small Mm -hmm. is so important. So you can do that Mm -hmm. either by starting on a Wednesday, you Mm -hmm. know, or starting earlier in the week, your first week and only doing morning time. Mm -hmm. Or if you're going to do morning time and two or three other subjects doing an abbreviated morning time to begin with. So you're not just like exhausting yourself and knocking mm -hmm. everybody out the very first week with just this exhaustive week of, of all of school, but morning time as well. Another way to ease back into morning time at the beginning of the year is I don't schedule necessarily new things. So like I don't schedule a new hymn for January. Mm-hmm. We do about a, a hymn a month. I don't schedule a new hymn for January. We only review hymns in January. We only do review Bible passages in January. We only, we don't, I don't necessarily schedule a lot of new memory work. I try and just ease back in with things that are very familiar. And then in February, then we kind of hit it harder, but January, we ease. I love, love, love that idea. So I'm going to translate this now for the people who don't school with the calendar year. <laughs> so basically, you would take August or August and September part you your know, for your first term? three or four weeks, and you yeah. would only review old things that you've learned. So you would sing hymns from last year. You would do memory work from last year, review poems, things of that nature. And that would be what got you started for maybe the first four weeks. And then you would pick up and start learning the new stuff. I love that so much. Exactly. Yes. Well, hopefully we have given everybody some really good tips to help them get off to a new uh, school year and a new start. And Dawn, thank you so much for being here with me to chat about this stuff. Oh, well, thank you, Pam. It was a lot of fun. I always like talking with you. And there you have it. So for today's basket bonus, we have for you a printable checklist of some of our best tips from today's episode. So you can just kind of work down this list and check your plan against it and make sure, hopefully, avoid some of these rough spots that might come up by kind of looking at the list that we have there for you. You can find that along with all of the resources and links that Don and I chatted about today at the show notes for this episode. And that is at edsnapshots.com forward slash YMB19. 
All of the books are there, the links, and the printable checklist. Well, we'll be back in another couple of weeks with another great Your Morning Basket interview. Until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.